0: So I think good rum is like good tequila in that way. Like you can drink like I mean, good, good tequila straight yeah. is delicious. It's just, you know, you don't but drink still, you don't drink Cuervo
1: that no, way. No, no, you don't. Also Or or at all, really. Most yeah, most tequila, even good tequila is a yep. enough to bring back memories. Yep. Hey everyone and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined by Dr. Scott Melson. Hello, Scott. What's up, man? How are you? You know, I've
0: noticed a smell in the air this week. Is it nihilism again? Is that the <laughs> it's the smell. It's the smell of being a top 10 state. Uh, That's <laughs> what being a top 10 smells like. Top 10. It's kind of fruity. It's, it's a nice. top 10 smell. It's uh, fruity but somewhat pungent.
1: Stings the nostrils. <laughs> we're, we're also joined in Upper Room Studios by uh, Crystal Yosef. Welcome back, Crystal.
2: Thank you. It's fun last time. Thought we, I'd come back. We missed you last week. I know. I don't know if
1: you listened. Did you hear us? I didn't know we spoke did. to you. didn't listen to no. it? Well, we spoke to you, but you didn't listen. So. Oh, man. Okay. Womp, womp, womp. Sorry. I don't think we talked about any Lifetime movies last week either. I know. No, it's we funny. talked about uh, something else, though.
0: We got off the rails. Oh, somewhere. a bunch of western movies. That's, yes, uh, that's, that's what right. happened. That's right. Oof. Have you have you had a chance to watch an Officer and a Murderer? I have not. So oh, I'm okay, slack. that's all I right. I
2: know.
1: and uh, uh, <laughs> crying through his,
2: uh, <laughs> oh,
3: no. laughing through
1: his tears
0: is uh, uh, Grant
1: Herms. Hello, Grant. Hello, good to be back. Welcome back to the podcast.
3: I think a top ten state actually is is a new car smell. I think it's like when when you <laughs> but you pull the the pine tree fully out right. of the package. That's what right. that is. Not used as directed. Okay, that's right. right.
1: That's right. I, my, my first vehicle was a 1984 Pontiac Bonneville that I inherited from my grandparents and uh, they did not have pine trees. <laughs> As but, one gets a Bonneville. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's the only way they come. They're only sold to senior citizens, but my grandma would soak a, uh, a cotton ball in like vanilla extract. And there was a couple of dozen of those under the seat. And uh, a couple of
3: dozen. Yeah. yeah. Well, was your nickname just like Doughboy. Cause he just, Pillsbury Doughboy. That's all I would think of every time he rolled up. Really? Yeah.
1: No, that was definitely not what oh. I was calling driving to Bonneville oh. with the dice in the mirror and the blue tint that I put on there. <laughs> did you really have dice in the mirror? Yeah. Nice. I did. Nice. Someone stole my first set. I had to buy another pair.
0: You didn't yeah. have a pair of like cow testicles hanging from the back? No, they didn't sell okay. those back then.
1: Oh, that's Plus, new. this is Bonneville. They would drag. And <laughs> chafing is so bad. <laughs> it's a real thing. All right. Um, I want to start by saying happy birthday to two important people to music history in Oklahoma. One is Dr. Rock from the Sugar-Free All-Stars, from whom they provide our uh, our theme music. Dr. Rock, I think his actual first name is Rob, but I've never actually heard his name. So this is not Chris Weiser, not Boom. This is the drummer.
0: We are infinitely
1: grateful to both of them. He turned for 50 yesterday. Nice. Well uh, done. Also yesterday, I saw that it was Garth Brooks' birthday. He turned 57. I don't know Mr. Brooks, but I, he is important to music in Oklahoma
0: he is it's also odd to me that i feel like he's looked exactly the same for 30 years
1: ever since chris Gaines,
3: yeah pretty much yeah
0: i think there like so. been
1: no, no change once he cut his hair then it was it's all been downhill since then <laughs> all right um we are let's get into the news then oh son of a gun hang on i turned the volume down this is what i get i'm so we're drinking rum today instead of whiskey and i'm all off my game this is delicious <laughs> All the news, news you can use. I should have had Grant intro the news (laughs) as the actual newser in the room. I could do that. You could. could do the intro. Come up with some kind of news. This is, I don't know. All right. uh, Our first article is about former House Representative, now Oklahoma County Commissioner, (laughs) Kevin Calvey. Is that, Now he's a county commissioner. Is he, is that all he does? Does Indeed not, uh, Scott. That's interesting. He also is in the cross stitch. I heard, that's not true. I don't, maybe it is true. I really don't know. Uh, But there's an article from Nondoc Entitled County Commissioner Kevin Calvey, also a capital lobbyist, which probably tells you all you need to know.
3: It's a pretty straightforward headline. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, Grant, are you familiar with this story?
3: Uh, familiar enough. So Calvi is, while being a county commissioner, is also a registered lobbyist for a uh, pro-life group. I can't remember which one. They're associated with the Right to Life Foundation, I'm pretty sure. Oklahomans right. for Life. Oklahomans for Life. Um, and while he was up at the Capitol for County Day. Uh, he was also sort of lobbying on the side. He says, <laughs> not in any real official capacity, but once you're a registered lobbyist, isn't that kind of always the case? Right. Whether you're,
1: Well, he said a lot of things. He was like, yes. I mean, I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm definitely not He also
3: said it. he was a citizen at one <laughs> point, which isn't true if you're an elected official at no point. Are you back to being a normal citizen after you've been elected to any position? Uh, Just a regular he, guy. He's raising some eyebrows from both parties, including people who were pretty close to him while he was in office. Yeah. Right.
0: So did just
3: say he's still in office as a kind of commissioner?
0: Did any of you guys see his like the like final? So he gave several kind of responses and in interviews like he had he had a quote in the non-doc article and some other folks that asked him about it. But did you, did you see his like actual statement that he put out on Twitter last night? I did not.
1: Oh, did he put a statement? Uh,
0: it says, I am proud and honored to advocate for the right to life for babies in the womb. I am being attacked for my pro-life advocacy, and I wear the scorn of the pro-abortion politicians like a badge of honor. In this era, when New York has legalized killing babies up to the moment of birth and afterbirth, it is ever more important that we have the strongest advocacy possible for the right to life. So first, let me say that what he says about New York is completely untrue and fabricated. That's number one. Number two, is he calling all of the Members of the Republican caucus that he was a part of a few months ago, pro-abortion politicians. Is that what he's saying? Because he just lumped all of his critics into one basket there. And I also want to point out that no one is criticizing Commissioner Calvey at all for being pro-life or advocating for pro-life. They're criticizing him for doing it while he's an elected public official and drawing a salary for both jobs. Yeah, Sorry. I, I just think had to get off
1: my chest. <laughs> I think he may have, may have misinterpreted what the uh, criticisms coming from. You know, like I don't think he
0: misinterpreted anything. I think that, that I think that statement is incredibly calculated and designed to engender
1: a specific response. Well, yes. I'm I'm fairly sure that's probably accurate, but also like everyone's like, "Uh, can you do these both at the same time?" And he's like, "It's not about abortion." And it's like, "Well, hey, uh, no, if you were lobbying for the peanut commission also, that would be not okay." At this time. I mean,
0: if if Carrie, if Carrie Blumert was a registered lobbyist for Oklahomans for Choice and was at the Capitol doing both jobs, Calvi and everyone who, like, supports him would lose their minds. Is he, is he actually a
1: registered lobbyist yes. for that yes. group? Yes, yes. Okay. officially registered. I couldn't yes. remember that. Or, right. Yes. Well, there's that. And
0: I just used, I used Carrie Blumert as an example just because she's also a county commissioner. I have no idea what she... Her stance on, yeah, on any of those issues. That's I'm, just was an example.
3: On this story, I'm waiting to hear actually from the governor's office uh, because of his recent executive order about lobbyists in departments. I wonder if he's going to expand or, or maybe have a call to the legislature for an expanded idea of who can be a lobbyist and who can't be a lobbyist. Or if we'll take a, a page from the president's book about having lobbyists and a ban on lobbying for a certain amount of years after you've been in at least the state legislature Um, because it is a little interesting this seems to be a blind spot in the state ethics code where you can hold elected office and be a registered lobbyist even if they're at different levels of government in the state it's interesting
1: it is funny also it's funny how many people are terrified of being a lobbyist or being perceived as a lobbyist and then this is like so brazen Mm -hmm. that everyone's like oh I don't know what I'm so afraid of now like I don't I mean most state employees I know are like, I definitely cannot advocate or do anything that would appear to be advocating for anything. I'm like, You definitely can advocate as a private citizen, right? Like you can take off work and go up there or whatever and Calvi just like walks in like, Look at
3: me. I'm doing
1: both right now.
3: He's obviously not <laughs> concerned about being reelected or worried about being voted out.
1: I think you should only be allowed to do this if you wear a fake mustache during one of the one, one of, of the, the personas. <laughs> like <laughs> at the at glasses. Least try yeah, yeah, to just differentiate be, in some right, capacity hello my name is curtis halvey i'm here on behalf of yeah
3: devin
0: halvey devin, mean, he, <laughs> he, he makes a hundred and five thousand dollars um to be a county commissioner which is perfectly appropriate because it is a huge job that probably requires at least 40 hours a week so yeah
3: also is it a representation problem not everybody in his you know are they wards in the county i can't they're Districts. districts, districts. Yeah, not everybody in his district may feel the same way he feels about abortion.
1: Well, not everybody feels the same way as anybody. I mean, by I mean, nature, but, you represent everyone, regardless. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, so well, to be it's so not a, brazen it's about not that a kind county of county issue. You know what I mean? Like
3: true, which is why he's allowed to do it. I'm pretty sure why he probably feels comfortable doing it because right. he's not advocating for it really at a county level. It's more of a state level. Right. Yeah, and
0: I think it's interesting. You think that you're saying he's not worried about being reelected. I think it may be indicative that he actually wants to be elected for a higher office and he wants to use this as a like
3: springboard. He'll probably run for Congress. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Again, I've heard that as well, but yeah. what, mark the date and time for when I get that wrong. But, uh,
1: no, uh, no, we'll put that, we'll add that to the, <laughs> uh,
0: I assume he's running for Congress a year from right now. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <is> my suspicion.
1: <laughs> Check back. Um, so while we're on the subject of Kevin Calvey and indeed Carrie Bloomert as well. So there's another article about Kevin Calvey this week, um, where he took a uh, contingent of a posse, if you will, of people into the Oklahoma County Jail for a surprise visit, and wanted to do a like a head count, right? Like wanted to see how many how many inmates are there right now. Yeah, and it was interesting. I was listening to the uh, KOSU's weekly political update thing with um, Ryan Kiesel and David yeah. Hill yeah. and and Kiesel who by his own admission is on the opposite side of nearly every issue from Kevin Calvey was like, maybe this was a stunt, which is what Carrie had said that she called it like a stunt for drama or something. Um, But he, uh, uh, Kiesel was like, I mean, maybe we need some stunts like this because stuff at the jail is indeed very wrong. And my impression is that no one was really upset. I mean, the sheriff kicked him out, right? I don't, the sheriff wasn't so upset that, that commissioner Calvey was there. He was upset that he brought an entourage of like 20 people, and just expect it to be able to like walk in and walk around the jail and count people. And that was going to be so disruptive and and possibly a, a danger.
3: Yeah. I mean, on, on one hand, it's, it's, it is disruptive to the, the jail, which is understaffed at the moment. And those men and women who work in the jail have a big job of keeping not just the inmates safe, but also the people who are there right. day in, day out. And so you've got 15 other people you didn't expect to be there all right. of a sudden in a jail that has had problems lately uh i would i would understand why you as a sheriff you would be a little irked
0: mm-hmm. also i feel like it's a problem that we don't know how many people are there and you just need to go like count to get an answer to that question i
1: well i think you wanted to verify well or be on tv i mean yeah these are my thoughts. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like you think some he's nods disingenuous. From the audience here, yes. Um, all right. Uh, the next article is about Scott. This is one of your favorite subjects. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so, uh, a bill passed the House committee this week. A much touted bill. We discussed it a couple of weeks ago in our Predicto Rama episode. Uh, some people call this constitutional carry. Others call this permitless carry. Crystal, you're shaking your head. What do you know about this bill?
2: I don't know much about it except for that I am upset about it. Yes. <laughs> how come? Just not okay with, I mean, I was talking, who was I talking to the other day about this? And they were just like, so are, wh- how are we going to prepare like for what's, I mean, we talked about it the last episode too that I was on. It's just like, how do you prepare to control masses of people and crowds mm-hmm. of people if this is a thing? Um, and the fact that it's progressing through is a little disturbing. So just yeah, makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, so the bill would allow anyone ages twenty one and up, excluding some felons, to um carry a gun concealed or open.
0: Convicted felons, people who have been, have adjudicated mental health issues. Right. I think those and are the some domestic violence issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so with some exceptions. And then if you are an uh, military, a veteran or active duty military, you can you can carry concealed or unconcealed at
0: age eighteen. So I think is it ironic to anyone that this passed out of the House Public Safety Committee? <laughs> I just, that's just an, like, that's just a little extra, just just a little lemon yeah. juice, you know, just a little, So it's, I mean, it's w- extra salt.
1: widely expected to pass both chambers, and the governor said he'll sign it. Um, it'll be out there. It's got a bajillion authors on it. We just are, even an update, because it happened this week.
0: Do we think that Governor Stitt would have gotten through the Republican primary had he not committed signing this bill if it passed
3: i don't think any republican would have gotten through a republican primary had they not committed to sign this bill
0: i mean yes but i guess i would say maybe a different way that the question is so let's say it's down to uh todd todd lamb Cornette, and Stit. right so it's, it's those three and cornet and Stit maybe don't commit to absolutely i'll sign this no matter how it looks Ooh, is is todd lamb is he is he the governor? I mean,
1: that's interesting. Did did Cornette give a indication about this?
0: I, I don't I don't recall. I honestly don't know.
3: Not that I can remember that. That's n- the uh, Second Amendment is not really Ben Cornette's bread and butter. He's kind of avoided that, right? <laughs> Even though uh, he worked for Ackerman for a right. number of years. He, uh, yes, right. yes. Uh,
0: uh, when we say Ackerman, we mean Ackerman and, and McQueen, a local ad agency uh, who does a lot of great work. But one of their many clients is the. National Rifle They're Association,
1: largest client for yes. decades. They've got yes. a bajillion dollars off of them. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's an update, and then uh, our last, uh, our last news story. This one, Scott, is in your wheelhouse. Oh, I love that sound. Uh, this is from Politico. Scott Pruitt. Legal fundraising started months before his exit.
0: The saga
1: continues. You you texted this to me and said, (laughs) Pruitt is the gift that keeps on giving. And while we recognize he is not currently a member of the Oklahoma government, or the federal government for that matter, I think just for historical reasons we like to give updates on his employment
0: status. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, now, this is not actually an employment update, but uh, former commissioner, former attorney general Scott Pruitt uh, started raising money for his legal defense fund uh, at least two months before he resigned. Uh, there was a, a, a lady named Diane Hendricks, who was a billionaire from Wisconsin, actually donated to the Scott Pruitt Legal Expenses Trust on <laughs> April 24th. It's a it's a trust. So they made like a non nonprofit for his Do you
1: have a trust for your legal defense fund?
0: Uh, not, not yet.
1: <laughs> How many? I don't even have a trust for my children's college fund.
3: Like, this, right? this is one of those stories that, like, when you talk about graft and grift in this presidential administration, of which there has been a lot of reporting about. A lot of it, those people who have been perpetrating that graft and grift. Uh, have, <laughs> the crooks. Yes. have uh, <laughs> Those folks Alleged. Have, have said that they're not <laughs> doing go. anything wrong, and to have this kind of... It's not a full admission, but it is obviously like he, he was aware that something was going to happen after he left because of what he had been doing in office is just so... Just so strange.
0: Yes. Can can you use your uh, your little voice that you do to say I'm going to be in trouble?
1: What man? I don't even know what voice you're. you're, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah, Yeah, that one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) that one. That's the one. Oh man.
1: Uh oh. Oh, who called the fuzz?
0: (laughs) I got dope on me. Right. No. It's like it's in. I mean, it's insane because and you're you're right. Like I think what you're speaking to Grant is that it's this idea that like well we can kind of do whatever we want because there's people that are going to pay the hundreds of thousands of dollars that we're going to incur in legal fees when this inevitably gets challenged in court. Um, so I have like this blank check to, to do whatever.
3: Right, right. And it's, it's interesting because that thought then doesn't deter people from doing those things that would incur lawsuits. They just see them as a, an annoying hurdle right. to what they'd like to get done.
1: Right. Legal but- Schmiegel. I think if we can learn anything, it's that if you plan to break the law, go ahead and start saving for that defense now. Don't wait. Prepare, Mm -hmm.
3: right? Also, this means it's not the last time we're going to hear from Scott Pruitt, both on a statewide level or a national level. He's got people from other states like the Hendricks from Wisconsin, whoever I covered while I was up there. I was like, "What? you're from Wisconsin. I did. I went to school in Wisconsin. Yes. And and cover. Do you know her? Uh, we were close, intimate friends. It this was, is like it when was a moved. brief summer, much like the Garth Brooks song. When, um. I, when
1: I moved to Minnesota, and they asked me if I knew uh, Ross Perot, and I was like,
2: "No, <laughs> <But> he's from <laughs> he's from
1: Texas, though, right?" I was from Texas. I moved from Dallas to Minnesota, uh, and, and my first fin- friend, Sven like, Sven you Sungard, you, is, He asked me, "Do you know Ross Sven
3: Sungard? He's the weatherman up yes, there. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. I he's love Grant, Grant's like, "Oh,
1: oh,
0: Sven." Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: I'm going to text that he guy. He went from like really skinny to super he's in ripped, shape now. ripped, yeah.
1: Huge. <laughs> he's ripped, yeah. Uh, he's a tiny little guy. His dad was in the 1984 Olympics for Norway for ski jumping. Huh. I don't like know all it, Swedes.
3: I mean, with a name like Sungard, yeah. right. you can't not be. Two U's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 1A.
0: Yeah. So all that, <laughs> that to was say, a fun the, the 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 crux of the article it speaks for itself. Uh, Mr. Pruitt uh, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars from people, billionaires across the country. He apparently still owes hundreds of thousands of dollars to at least one local law firm. Um, I saw <laughs> <So> that. <laughs> yes, uh, the good folks at Crow and Dunleavy apparently uh, sent him a bill for between. It's interesting to me because you don't know exactly how much it is, but the disclosure forms are. It's like between a hundred and ten and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which like. It's a lot of money, this but there's a, or twice this, right? Like it's a huge difference between like one eleven and two forty nine, right? right? And there's mm-hmm. like, right, th- like the monthly payment for that's going to be, right, significantly different.
1: Che- checks in the mail, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, that concludes our news roundup. Uh, Crystal, you've been awfully quiet today. Did we miss any news stories you want to talk about?
2: No. We the one that I wanted to talk about we're, we tabled for next time. So. Oh yes, we're
1: gonna yeah. hold off on medical marijuana until next week. Are you gonna mm-hmm. be able to be here next week?
2: I believe so.
1: All right, um, that is that Juno knocking
0: on yes. the door. Juno, oh. wa- Juno wants to come in, but she's not invited. Juno, today. the pod dog. Um, she woke me up and puked at four o'clock this morning, so <laughs> she's in the doghouse. Did, did you Did you watch my show? today? At 4 a.m.? Uh, yes, I, you Grand grandson at that but, time. Buddy, buddy, buddy I, I gotta tell you, I went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, went, I went
1: back to bed. <laughs> just, Sorry, man. <laughs> I went too. I went too. Not even dog puke is enough to make Scott watch your show. <laughs> All right, well, let's. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna discuss a Lifetime movie.
3: That's the cold open, by the way.
1: All right, we're back. That wasn't actually a break. You can hear us talk through the music. Um eh, we'll cut it. That's right. <laughs> we, uh, as promised, because we received some feedback that people liked the, <laughs> the digression into Lifetime movies two weeks ago. So, um, Scott and Crystal, please enlighten us about an, an officer and a gentleman or something, Someone, a murder of an officer.
0: Okay, well, it's an officer and a murderer. That was we, close. And we discussed that in detail last time. Oh, well, what, something blue, right? Well, we got the Blue-Eyed Butcher. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Now, Crystal, you've seen the Blue-Eyed Butcher, right? One. You want to give us a You want to give us a recap?
2: I don't remember details aside from she stabbed this man, like, no less than 97 times, like, aggressively. Um, <laughs> None of those ex- passive stabbings. <laughs> yeah, just, Slow, <laughs> just, intimate stabbing. <laughs> eventually, you're just going back into old stab wounds at this point. It's like, please stop. Oh, right. Um, yeah. yeah. What was the story? I don't remember. I did <laughs> watch another one lately that I can talk oh? about. Oh? But that one, I have not. I don't remember.
0: So, the Blue-Eyed Butcher uh there is a young lady and a young man and they meet at some sort of young adult butcher shop situation uh, <laughs> a, a club or a discotheque or what have you TGI uh some where, wherever the kids meet up these days or you know 10 years ago when they made this movie and so they meet up and i i cannot remember from the movie whether they like actually started dating or if it was more like kind of a one night stand situation but All that to say, they find out that she's pregnant and they decide that they are going to get married even though they haven't known each other that long or, you know, don't really know what's going to happen. So they get married and try to start a family and like it looks like they would be like the perfect family. But then they have like another kid and then like the pressures of like life start to build up. And, you know, the man is unhappy for various reasons and is pretty emotionally uh, and physically abusive to her and then at least what happens in the movie is there this is building and building and building the guy's got a drug problem he's using a lot of cocaine and there's like it's like their anniversary or something and he comes home and she's like made this nice dinner and like He's like snorted up Coke in the car like right before he walks in. I not remember
2: these details. This is How amazing. can you not?
0: <laughs> I watch a lot. Of it's very embarrassing. So, <laughs> so he, he comes he comes in and like he's high on Coke and he sees this like dinner and she's like got all this makeup on and he calls her some like names and she had hoped to have this like night Wait, wait with,
1: hang on. Like sweetheart, no, sugar bushes. Like no, like him. says
0: she looks like a prostitute, but he didn't use that. Like he was really like. So he's angry names. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, me, me so names. He, names. So in the movie anyway. Hussy. She, he goes to sleep and she just like kind of goes into this like trance and she goes in the bedroom and uses his ties to tie him to the bed. So he's like on one arm and leg, one extremity to each bedpost. And he's asleep. Yeah. yeah he's a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So then he uh, then he he wakes up and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, she's like on top of him, and he's like, she's like, do you want to have some fun or something? And he starts yelling at her, like, untimely, and then, and then she starts like stabbing him, and she does, she stabs him, like a hundred times, and he, you know, he, he's good and dead, and so, <laughs> and so then she like, she takes his body and buries it in the backyard, like flips over the mattress, and like paints the window, and for like six months, it, like no one knows this guy is dead. His parents are like. Where is he? And his work is like, it's, oh, he's sick. And anyway, so like several weeks or months later, the dog is like digging in the yard where she like, like the burbs, bur- yeah, where she like buried the body, and they dig it up, and anyway, then the police come and they flip over the mattress. She never like got a new one. She just just slept on the bloody turn, mattress. Just turned it over like you do. Anyway, and so she goes to uh she um she goes to jail um you know for life, um but she has requested parole recently. Actually, it's so far been denied.
3: It's a true story.
1: Okay, I was like...
0: What do you mean? Was there
1: a sequel that's
0: coming out? Yeah, no, there's like (laughs) all these... Dude, all these Lifetime movies, they really happened. This is like a real thing.
2: The one I watched over the weekend was um, about a... Well, it's just typical, like, crazy mom just makes her kid um, progress through these cancer symptoms that she doesn't have after a certain time, and I can't remember the name of it, but it has a really good actress in it, and I just watched it over the weekend. This is like a
1: Munchausen's by proxy? Yeah,
2: and so... But she ends up killing her mom. And runs off with a boyfriend and she, yeah, it was tragic and terrifying, but it's based on a true story. Interesting. A lot of them are. I actually saw Lacey Lett on Lifetime Movie the other day. I texted her and I was like, she was in one. She was like just covering the news briefly.
1: How amazing. And so
2: it was, it was taped in, she said predominantly taped in, filmed in Oklahoma. And so they just pulled a clip from her. On a Lifetime movie, I texted her and I was like, do not judge me for watching Lifetime. <laughs> but I'm and judging she, you for being exactly. in it. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Well, I'm in it, so That's yeah. hilarious.
1: Yeah. Did she get royalties from that? Yeah, I would assume. Maybe I know that uh like probably not. Well, I remember <laughs> talking to Mike Morgan over at KFOR and that he gets a tiny amount of royalties for Twister. Okay. Not like Gary England getting, you know, the big money, but mm-hmm. like he would still get checks in the mail every now and then for like ten cents and stuff. So it's like that. Does he use it on his ties? Does he still do the severe weather ties? I don't know. I don't watch that channel. I had to stop watching all TV meteorologists.
0: I only watch News 9, man. <laughs> no,
3: you don't. <laughs>
1: Except for at 4 in the morning. <laughs> all right. Well, after that, pick me up of a... I'm going to have to get cable or something and keep up with you guys and your Lifetime movies.
0: There's probably... You, have like a, you got like a Roku situation or I'm anything? I'm not like smart to watch these
1: movies, no. I'm still I, watching I, Parks and Rec.
0: I bet there's an app. Hey, I bet there's a Lifetime,
2: lifetime app. Lifetime movie app app of it. Yeah. There is a
0: nap. That's what I'm into. <laughs> Lifetime nap. That's They're good for that as well.
3: Every time yeah, I hear these discussions, I'm just concerned about what, what kind of space this is taking up in your brains. Like, how much RAM is this taking from your... <laughs> Scott's got scads of space over there. He's a... That's uh, true. Vestibule of... It's just background to, noise. Like yeah.
2: while I'm like cleaning, you know, yeah. maybe knocking out some emails in the morning, I'll just Background turn on
3: noise, and... no less than ninety seven stab wounds. so <laughs> <but> background noise. That's
2: <laughs> only the last five minutes. Everything was good up until like he pissed her off. And <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, more Vic- of the
1: story victim is. blamer.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, let's be fair. I don't know about you guys, but I sleep reasonably hard, not too hard, not too light, but if someone was slowly tying all of my appendages to the bed i right. might wake up at some point but were you drunk and coming off of cocaine no I, you left that part of the story out uh, i i don't think i left that out i tuned out that part of the story <laughs> <laughs> so all right well let's uh take another quick break of just music no one say anything and when we come back we're going to discuss governor Stitts first state of the state address That's so handy. I love this little sound pad. All right. So, this past Monday, the 4th, was Governor Stitt's first State of the State address at the State Capitol, joint session of the Oklahoma Legislature. Uh, I was there. Grant, were you that you weren't there? I was not there. You were sleeping. I texted you. I was you. sleeping. Sorry about that. I was. Um, Scott and Crystal were also unable to make it. Did you guys have you watched it or read it or anything?
2: I listened. Like, you, I oh, you were listening. Me, That's right. Yeah, we were KLSU, texting about it. Yeah. And then Twitter. What'd you think? It seemed hopeful. I was impressed. I retweeted a thing or two. I was Mm. pleased.
1: What stood out to you the most?
2: Criminal um, justice reform. Right. And that was predominantly it for like 10 minutes. when I was in my car driving to a thing. Right. That's what I caught.
3: A thing. Mm. Yeah. I've I've since watched it several times and I have read over the transcript several times. Uh, My initial pass, uh, it was inauguration speech part two.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had said his inauguration speech was going to be light on policy, yes. so he revealed a little bit more of the policy here.
3: Yes, yes, uh, and I also thought it was a, a pretty stark change from Mary Fallon, mm-hmm. who had, who's a politician's politician, and uh, Kevin Stitt is not mm-hmm. decidedly he, so. It, it was a it was a speech from a boardroom governor.
1: He's a markedly better speaker than Governor Fallon,
0: Dr- dramatically.
3: I think most people would be I think no matter who was going to win after Mary Fallon I like Mary Fallon mm-hmm. she was strength, always pleasant to me but yes. her strength was not public speaking no 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 her strength is
1: interpersonal like one on one absolutely She's very affable absolutely but yeah, yes yeah. Uh, but yeah speaking not so much I I attended the State of the State the last two years um, so Fallon's last two there and it and as Crystal said this was markedly different both in tone of like word choice and in certainly in vocal tone as well um, but it I tweeted this it felt to me a bit like a uh, almost like a pep rally in there like there was a genuine excitement and like electricity in the air from everybody like both sides of the aisle um, it seemed to me like there was broad agreement about most of what he said not all but certainly most yeah I think so I
0: think I think you're right. I watched most of it and I've since read through it several several times. And I think I think you're right. I think there's definitely a sense of optimism and Yeah, it's it's like, yes, there is broad agreement. Like he says here, Oklahomans want three things accountability, transparency and results. Yes, there's broad agreement with that because it's a statement with which you can't reasonably disagree, right? Like there's no one who's gonna say, No, I think government should be less accountable, more opaque, and should be worse at its job, right? Like so yes, people are going to agree with that, but the devil is in the devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that looks like, I think, remains to be seen. But I do, I think, I think that it was. I would, if I was going to give it a word, I would say it's aspirational. Um, would be the the the, the word I li- I would use for it, which I I really do like. I feel like that's a really positive thing for for the state and for the for the leader of our government to to employ.
1: Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, I agree. I will note. Just while we're discussing word choice, he said the phrase top 10 seven times, and he said the word turnaround four times, and he did only say open for business once, which Governor Fallon used to say as well. It's kind of one of those things. Apparently, we are very much
0: open, open for, for business. business right?
3: but, but purposely avoided in this speech because it is sort of trite right? as, as a phrase. Right, right,
0: yeah. It's interesting, too. I, I'm glad to see... You know, using the like the top 10 the turnaround language the, the thing about that it's 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 bold I think to employ that kind of language because that's measurable right like in four years you can say are we are we top 10 in this or this or this or that you know what I mean like can mm-hmm. we can we see has that's a metric it's not just we want to be better it's mm-hmm. we want to be this much better. He says we want to turn around can we look and say, you know, our healthcare outcomes going in a different direction, right, you know, right. our, yeah. our educational outcomes going in a different direction. Like those are, I think it's impressive for him to put that out there because those are things to which the voters potentially can hold him to account if they choose
1: to. Right. And he's, I think he's wisely not given a time frame. He's not like by next year we'll be top 10, like, because you can't do that. <laughs> like for most things, like it's going to take some time to really um, assess where we're at, put things in place, and then enact those things over a period of years. Is my sense. So, do we want
0: to kind of go through this? Like, I think it would be awesome if we had the time to go through it line by line, like an okay stop situation. Uh, TM, okay stop, TM. Thanks, Pod Save America. Um, do we want to kind of go through like section by yeah, yeah, section? Sure. Like, his first thing, so he's got this section where he talks about reimagining state government. And this is where. He's, you know, he talks about executive powers. Like he wants more power to hire and fire agency heads. He talks about wanting to kind of restructure some of the advisory boards. He wants to talk about um, perform. He talks about performance audits for the top twelve agencies, um, and he also talks a lot about customer service of government. So making taxpayers, the the customers of the government, um, have have a much better experience when they. Interact with us, and he specifically calls for a twenty million dollar grant program that agencies can apply to receive funds to bring their services into the twenty first century and make government more customer centered and efficient. What do we What do we think about that? Just as a proposition, not that specifically, but that whole kind of section.
1: Um, I thought that was great. I think I texted you that excerpt um, when we were reading it um, because it um, it was such a uh, interesting paragraph so the he mentions the 20 million dollar grant and then the next paragraph um, of it and you can read i've got the full text on our blog let's fix this okay.org slash blog but he says imagine digital driver licenses that are real id compliant imagine titles available electronically imagine one site to obtain occupational licenses and one site to pay taxes it's time to get it done Um, so certainly we've been talking about real id for ever I think um, and we still won't get real ID compliant licenses until next year um, but the idea that that and his um, his folks uh, Junk no and Austro uh, they were on political state last week I think these are they, his like digital people right yeah digital transformation and something right. um, they have talked about like what if we had one portal one app one website whatever for like all of the state services and that would it will take us years to get there but the fact that we're talking about it to me is exciting like yeah i would love to imagine these things that like you can get all this stuff in one place i have an occupational license i have to go i have to do it on paper actually i can't apply online i have to do everything on paper um and write and write a check it's like the one check i write a year
0: i can do mine online and i hate it every time because it costs a lot of money well that's part of it yes but it's also <laughs> not like it's not easy no not intuitive, it's not, it's onerous as a, as a system. Yeah. It's, it, it could be, it could be worse, but it could also be a lot better, right? Right? Well, can't win them all. I think it'll be. Go ahead. Sorry, Grant.
3: Oh, no, I just, I, I was gonna say, like, I, th- I thought there were interesting echoes of, of presidential phrases yes. in this. I mean, you get Ronald Reagan right up yes. top. When he, the, the government does not create wealth, only the private sector can. That is almost. A straight like a shot quote. from <laughs> yeah. from from the government isn't the solution, the government is the problem. Right. It's... I
1: like that he said that government doesn't create wealth, um, as opposed to the government doesn't create jobs. I will agree that the government does not create wealth, but whenever someone says the government doesn't create jobs, has never worked for the government or realized the amount of jobs that are created by onerous bureaucracies. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> uh, I thought the, the part after he talks about giving the, the governor a lot more executive power, Uh, Which we can talk about, too, that caught some backlash the following day from Democrats and several Republicans as well. Um, But he says, you will know exactly where the buck stops. That is Truman, 100%. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Which he may come to regret later. This was a speech, like I said earlier, by a boardroom president, someone who's used to running a business and someone who's not used to dealing directly with government and how slow and arthritic it can be as a process. <laughs> Nicely uh, done, sir. So we'll see if if by the end of this year or the next year, uh, by 2020, if he's kicking himself a little bit for wanting to take all of that power crystal. I've been. I will stop talking now. But no, way, please way do. I mean,
2: you report on it, and so I'm just. I'm probably the most novice, just bystander in this whole piece of conversation, um, and I have not read it, read up about it as much as I should have. In, in between my my tweeting and my. Retweeting, so yeah, you guys carry on. I'll jump in when I need to.
0: No, but the like following what people are saying on social media though yes. is that's a huge that's a huge part of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where social media is where like I think the bulk of people with where a lot of us get our news, especially young people. Increasingly, older people get the bulk of their hashtag quote unquote news there um, as well. So. What were you? What were you kind of seeing, like on social media, when you were like listening to the speech? Mm-hmm. And what, what were you? Well, what when were, you what said was
2: aspirational. The... <clears throat> I think that rings true just for right now. I think a lot of people probably that think differently politically than he does. I think everybody's just kind of hopeful right now, and so that aspirational thing you said earlier. I think that if he can carry that on, whether or not he can deliver in a year, since he didn't attribute timelines, like Andy said, um, that's TBD, and that's something that some other people will have to. I think follow a little bit more closely but i mean i I was excited i think he has a low bar for a lot of people to kind of cross and so as long as he stays above that um and remains accessible i think somewhat accessible and just seeming like he's catering to the entire state that's going to be a big thing too i think
3: i also think that bar is malleable in a sense (laughs) i think you hear a lot of a lot of optimism a lot of hope from from not only republicans especially the ones who who were Uh, uh, elected in this year who aren't a part of the platform that was ousted last year Uh, and then uh, from Democrats as well um, because he is new and because that bar may be a little lower Mm -hmm. uh, and also that they know he doesn't have a lot of political experience and so maybe he's able to be worked and massaged in different directions in different places policy wise uh, to become a more middle of the road governor
1: yeah I think he's, he's struck a good chord so far and hasn't wisely. I mean this may be I think it's a bit him cuz he seems pretty genuine about stuff. Certainly he's got some smart advisors around him, but he he strikes me as someone who kind of does his own thing. I mean he funded his own campaign and speaks for himself and so I think he's done a good job with that. The the one issue, and maybe this is an example of that, honestly, um but the subject of Medicaid of course came up in the speech and I felt like this week or in the last two weeks he's like said He's made three or four comments about it, and th- it's like a back and forth. I don't know if it's like full on flip flopping three, three comments. times,
3: three times. It's 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 what I like to call a flip flop flat at that point. <laughs> nice. So he, I love I love how to have a journalist here. <laughs> he says he, he says the thing in, in the campaign, right, that we shouldn't expand Medicaid. He doesn't want to increase costs in Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. And then he then says he's open to expanding Medicaid. Right. And then he goes back and says he's no longer that open to the idea of expanding Medicaid again. And it's a flap at that end because now you've you've opened the door and closed it twice.
1: Right. But but then like just yesterday, I think he was talking to the Associated Press and and it sounded like he kind of opened it a bit again.
3: Yeah, he peeked through the, yeah. the eye hole. The right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think um, you know, supporters of Medicaid expansion will say it was open once and we can open it again and of course the other side is like no way stop talking Kevin um, and I to me the interesting point and I feel like we may have discussed this previously on the show but the what he says in his speech is that like listen we and, it, and maybe he said this broadly like we want to bring in all the federal dollars we can right um, we're paying the money yada 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 but we don't want to take money and make us reliant on these federal dollars because the feds could then yank them away except that's never happened in 50 years of Medicaid. That's never happened. And we don't apply that same reason to transportation funding or education funding or literally anything else funding. Like we get lots of federal dollars and it seems, and maybe because it's a big chunk and it's new, also it's polarizing, but it's just funny to be like, we'll take all other money, no big deal, but this we're nervous about. And I get that healthcare is... Somewhat tenuous, like in its status with the federal government. No, I mean they're not voting to repeal transportation funding a hundred something times. Like, so he says, while Medicaid expansion currently stops
0: at a ninety percent federal match, we cannot assume it will remain remain this high forever. So, first of all, it's not a federal match; it is a you pit weep. the The state pays ten percent, and the feds pay ninety percent. So it's not a the state pays. $100 $100 million and the feds give you $90 million. It's the state paid $100 million and the feds give you $900 million. Right. So that's the first thing. It's not a match. Then he says, the estimated $150 million price tag for Oklahoma to expand Medicaid could leave us down the road fronting more than $1 billion when the federal government pulls back on its commitment. They've done it before and they will do it again. That's not true. Now, what I think Governor Stitt and his staff and the people who help him compose the speech would say, they're specifically talking about the the graduate medical uh, training program, graduate medical education. So this is money that comes from the federal government to train uh, doctors. So residents who have graduated medical school, but are in the process of training in their chosen specialty, a huge amount of money comes to Oklahoma from the federal government to support that training. It is true that in the last two years, the federal government has clawed back tens of millions of dollars from the state that we were given to support graduate medical education. However, they didn't just say, oh, hey, policy change. Sorry, you have to give us the money back. You're responsible for all those costs now. They specifically allege that the state of Oklahoma used that money improperly and did not live up to its end of the bargain to receive those funds. And because of that, we don't get that money anymore. So it is not accurate to say that, like, with that program or any other, the feds have said, oh, yeah, sorry, we know you did this, but uh, we're changing the rules. They say you didn't follow the rules, so you no longer get the money.
3: And healthcare, specifically Medicaid, is a partisanly fraught issue uh, because of the ACA or Obamacare uh, and because of the way that it happened during the Clinton administration. So this back and forth has been turned into a party fight. At the federal level, and when you have people like Matt Pinnell, who, who is deeply involved in federal Republican politics, mm-hmm. you bring those things into a governor's office or an administration, and those things, the news is national to a large extent, and so people understand them in a national context before they understand them in a, in a state context, and I can understand why you would want to draw that line right away to, in a speech that is very bipartisan, and very aspirational, also remind your voters that you are still for them. And he does that. He
0: did that at the the very beginning, right? He made a statement at the beginning where he said, hey, I'm here, I'm the governor of the whole state, I represent everyone. However, there are issues on which we're going to disagree, policies on which we're going to disagree. We were all elected with different constituencies and on different specific issues. So just because I'm being like chummy today doesn't mean that, you know, like working together doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get your way because he justifiably says, I was elected with a mandate. And so this is how I want to govern. So that is, that's healthcare and then government reform. The only other thing I think I would say about the government reform piece um, that he talks about at the beginning, you know, when you talk about going uh, like a one stop shop for government services, whether it's, you know, applications or license rules or what have you, I'm really interested to see how they go about that. Um, To me, it's an interesting, potential interesting test case of running it like a government or running it like a business. So I think what would often happen when you have this kind of proposal in like a government bureaucratic kind of, you know, environment, you might have a committee and like maybe there's a study group and it's like, how could we do this and people have some ideas and we'll meet again in a month and we'll kind of talk about it and then like five years later down the road we've got a plan and then five years after that like we'll have an app that's you know the technology is outdated by like 10 years i could be wrong but i think i think that in the private sector if you own say gateway mortgage and you want to like have a one-stop shop where people can like apply for a mortgage or refinancing their existing loan or whatever, you wouldn't necessarily try to reinvent the wheel. You might say, What is uh what does that other bank do? Somebody get on their website and see how it looks and see what it works like what are like what are other people doing like to generate ideas rather than starting from scratch? And I bring that up because there are governments in the US, but also all over the world, who already do this. Right? Like there are several European countries where What he is laying out is exactly how government works. And to me, it would be instructive to like maybe look at those examples and see how do they do it.
3: And he's done a bit of that already with hiring John Budd as the COO of the state, as well as as nominating him uh, to be the secretary of agency accountability. And those positions are related. They're apparently different. I'm not quite sure how yet. Um, They are ambiguous. But I ended up talking to the COO of Tennessee a few weeks ago about how he does his job, and it is that thing. It is it is reducing the amount of time that you have this, the back and forth, the bureaucracy that, then that's often decried, mm-hmm. particularly by by the right. Um, and so that's what that position is supposed to eliminate is this thing that we don't have an app five years down the road that doesn't work because it's running on ios 12 and we're on ios 48
1: right right i tweeted about there was a story on governing um which is like a, a I don't even know how to describe it's a great it. magazine it's, it's an, a great it's magazine, online yeah, magazine. A, yeah about like government and often specifically like state and local government I think. right and about like good examples of how it could run or should run um last year or year before last about the coo position and how states are moving to that and i was like oh this makes total sense and it was really about to get it, dig in and to coordinate and make sure that agencies are talking to one another because to help them not be quite so siloed, I thought was really helpful. So I'm excited that he formed this position.
0: All right, so that's uh, government reform. We've hit healthcare. Education took up um, a big chunk uh, in the middle of the speech. Um, He talked about his commitment and his 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 administration's commitment to public ed um he talks about moving the needle on outcomes we will set high standards we will enact reforms we will invest in the classroom but first we must continue our investment in the teacher Uh, and he talks about relationship between students and teachers and that being really where you do that moving of the needle he proposes a twelve hundred dollar pay raise per teacher uh he also wants a sorry to jump
1: in but a 1200 hundred dollar pay raise but no additional classroom funding
0: Yes. So that's the thing. So $1,200 increase per teacher, a $5 million uh, bonus recruitment program, uh, getting rid of standardized certification tests, uh, et cetera, stabilize the funding of public education. He talks about um, reviewing and revising the funding formula, um, as well as maybe giving... Um, individual school districts the power to use he didn't come out and say giving individual districts the power to use like ad valorem taxes and property taxes but that's that's what he means which is interesting since that just got voted down as a state question in november but what is notably absent from his section on education is no increased classroom funding and my takeaway from that was did you not listen to anything that the teachers have been saying for the last nine months but what did you guys think
3: it's it's Notably at odds, and it's a far less monetary uh, investment than what both state superintendent Troy Hoffmeister asked for and what OEA is asking for, mm-hmm. and they've already set a date for another possible walkout. Right? They, they straight up said that's still on the table. <clears throat> they likely will not. That's probably not going to be a great political look for them, mm-hmm. No. Um, but, but it depends on how things get this year.
1: Yeah. And
3: that's April 2nd, by the way, is their their day of protest, day of advocacy. Good so to what know. what are calling it.
1: And, uh, yeah, and that's a smart way to frame it, right, day of advocacy. Um, OEA is... I feel like they miss as often as they hit with some of their political efforts. Um, I mean, I know some of the folks over there, and I think they're good people, But and I get some of this is difficult, but they've got to be aware. They're in a bad spot, this is the truth, because they've got to at least threaten it but also like calling their bluff seems like an easy thing to do we're like because they have stand to lose a lot if they if it's done wrong and they did get a lot last year they definitely still need classroom funding and and teachers said last year like you know i'd like a raise for sure but also don't forget the classroom funding because you may give me a raise but i'm still sending a spending a huge chunk of my money on supplies for my classroom and and trying to meet the needs of my students and so you've Really got to do both. I mean, um, this was
3: this was one of his campaign promises: is was was that to to shift the funding at the state level to the local district level, and he got some pushback for that during the campaign, particularly mm-hmm. from Edmondson, but also um, among education minded Republicans and new, you know, newly or soon to be sworn in right. members. So,
1: but I mean, I, do you think that's because he has he lives in an urban area? Like I th- I think about this a lot. That for all of us who live in an urban area, I you know I drive past countless schools and I think about schools, the way that I grew up. I grew up in a suburban place, and you know uh, in Texas and the schools there and what that looks like. And whether it's urban or suburban, it is markedly different than rural areas. And there are hundreds of districts in rural Oklahoma who do not have ad valorem taxes to spend on school stuff. Right? It's it's not Broken Arrow. It's not Edmond. They many of them are. Would you could change the law and it wouldn't improve their education funding one dollar.
3: They don't think about it that way. So if you talk to those folks, you talk to those superintendents in those rural areas, they actually see it as a way to uh, to uncouple from Twenty Third and Lincoln mm-hmm. in, in a sense, so ah. that they have local control that is not affected by the big city folk right. who don't understand their lives. While they may not have ad valorem taxes, this in th- in their thinking about this, whether that's actually right. Uh, an Excel spreadsheet or not right, is neither here nor there because how they see that is that it's their school district their town their kids their teachers and they'd like control outside of the governor's office and outside of the capital
1: so even though they may not get any more money it gives them more control yes and they would appreciate that yes that makes sense I mean from their perspective I, I get it
0: yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. You know, you talk about the, the pay raise, and I, I don't have the number in front of me. Do, do you guys know how much the $1,200 raise, like what that costs by itself?
3: Uh, I thought it was $125 million. Don't. But someone double-checked me on that. Oh,
0: that sound, I, Now that you say that, I feel like I've seen that number. It's interesting I to I know. Me. I reported on this. It I said it
3: on television at some point. I put it at 4 in the morning, though it was five in the morning but yes
0: (laughs) um it would be it would be interesting to know if you polled oklahoma teachers would you rather a 1200 hundred dollar raise or would you rather 125 million dollars in classroom funding like which would you prefer you know we had somebody um we were tweeting this week or i think was, was it gary i think it was gary kaplinger uh if you don't follow gary on twitter follow gary and he tweeted out like said okay teachers oklahoma teachers uh what's everybody gonna do with their twenty dollars and forty two twenty dollars and forty three cents a week, uh, that the governor wants to give you. And, you know, Andy and I we were tweeting with uh or texting with somebody else about that and the person we were said, hey, that's like that's half a tank of gas, right? Like that's not like like a full tank of gas or a, a two full tanks of gas a month, like that's not like that's not nothing, you know? But I am I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what teachers would prefer because the teachers I talk to, I think by and large would prefer those that injection of funding into the classroom. The other thing I think that there's been some so much the re- part of the reason there's been so much pushback on this kind of local local control or enhanced local control, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are a lot of folks who know way more about education funding than I do. Um, notably, Dr. Uh, Deborah Geist, Geist. Uh, and Geist, Geist uh, in Tulsa would say that one of the things Oklahoma does well. We have one of the best funding formulas
1: in the country. I would like to see a, a chart. Like, I want to see the funding formula and some kind of flow chart.
0: So you can look me it up. And I, and I Well, okay, so I've... You can get a doctorate in the funding
1: formula, which tells me it's complicated.
0: So I, I last year, during the walkout, I looked it up to try and understand this, and it is, well, and the, the, the goal was to talk about it on the show, mm-hmm. and the reason we didn't is because I went through it, and it is literally, like... I think it might be hundreds of pages of pages long but For it's sure. at least like but it is it is incredibly complicated it uses a unit of measure called mills oh, like that's it doesn't right. even get, like it's a very like what
1: it Why? is
0: it is and I I don't know I would like if we could get you know what it might be great if uh if Dr. Gist would come on and like explain all
3: this to us yeah, that or would be Sean Heim somebody, or somebody yeah like that. Dr. Gist if you're listening just, just Come on in. Explain this to us. But speak slowly <laughs> in a way that men can understand. We, and right. And we we have, have a
2: manual. <laughs> that's right. We have some mutual friends um, with her.
0: It is, but it's uh, well. She and I were well. We weren't on the we weren't on the same panel, but we right, were both yeah. panelists. And so it would be. I think it'd be really interesting because that's some some of these people who have been known as like education reformers. I mean, that's how she made her. there's a great political politico feature on her actually, and she made her name as an education reformer, but she says one of the things Oklahoma does really, really well is our funding formula. And so I think there's a lot of reluctance to, like, muck
1: with that.
3: Muck with it. Muck it. Can, can so, we skip ahead to criminal justice reform? That's because next. Yeah, let's hit that perfect, and, perfect.
1: and we'll wrap it up here for today. Who wants to jump onto that? Crystal, jump onto that. That's a cause. It's you care about.
2: You know, I do care about it, and it's kind of one of those things. Just mm-hmm. as an outsider, it's it's. So we've seen so many things. I think over the past, like in more recent history, especially now, it's kind of like a hot topic. It's one of those sexy words that gets everybody, um, gets like, everybody riled up, and so like moist uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. or not <laughs> fair. It's, it's just not. a bad word directly in the headphones. That's <laughs>
2: all. Yeah, <laughs> That's and it was kind of loud, and so. Um, but I retweeted something from the speech. Then I saw a tweet and I retweeted it. I didn't. I haven't done much research on any of this stuff yet. But all that to say, um, it seemed progressive as far as um, what I saw on Twitter. And I'm sorry, that's all I know.
3: I mean, it is fairly progressive mm-hmm. as far as criminal justice reform has in relation to the, where Oklahoma has been. I mean, as recently as three years ago, uh, it's also one of those bipartisan issues that has to come from the right. Right, especially in a state like Oklahoma, but kind of all over the across the board and all over the country, these this issue has to get taken care of from the right, from the folks who have made their money and their political bones on tough on crime, law and order. Yeah, this this is just one of those issues that has to come from that direction. I also think it's interesting that it's become a, a cornerstone or a, a real pillar for Governor Stitt, who had some serious foibles during the campaign. About criminal justice reform, specifically incarceration rates, specifically the number of people incarcerated, where Oklahoma ranked in that. Um, I think as they progressed through the campaign and after he was elected, this became a, a serious issue for them, not only with because of his discussions with Governor Fallon, or former Governor Fallon now, uh, and the work that she did on criminal just, justice reform, but also. I think he got a better sense of just how big of a deal this is in Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, well, and during the campaign, he like when he learned about um, how DAs are funded and um, the fines and fees, and he was pretty open up. With, like when he found that out, he was like, Whoa, "Wait, that doesn't make sense. That ain't right." <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, there was a lot of that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So just so everybody knows, in case they haven't read or listened to the speech, he when we talk about criminal justice reform, he uh, he's says he points out that we're number one in the nation for incarceration. We're actually number one in the world. Uh, Bump, um, no, no. Uh, so, um, he actually he had a guest there, uh, um, uh, a woman who works for him, who's been an employee at Gateway for 13 years, Melinda, right? Uh, Melinda, yes. Um, but she <laughs> you had you know been she had been a, a drug offender, and that's what you know that she had that label anytime she applied for a job or tried to, you know, get a loan. Um, so he proposes specifically 1.5 million dollars to women in recovery, which is a public-private partnership um, for women with criminal history. Ten million dollars to the county safety, county community safety investment fund, um, which is uh, something that we created two years ago with uh, State Question 781. He also wants to accomplish a licensing reform for people with felony convictions, um, as well as reforming our correction facilities to make them cleaner, safer um and and operate better as well as i think providing potentially better pay and benefits for the folks who work in correction facilities so that's what he that's what he's like that's what criminal justice reform looks like to the governor what is interesting um that i don't think he mentioned in the speech even though he has talked a lot about it is the need to change how like you like you guys are talking about da's and courts are funded moving them to uh appropriated agencies rather than funded off fines and fees yeah so that was criminal justice i will say one thing yes ma'am
2: i did like he really humanized melinda i was listening i heard that in the car and just the opener for that um just the way he opened just take a moment to reimagine like that's again like very progressive i enjoyed hearing that but then the way he talked about her and i'm sure i know it's like writers and everything but um she you could kind of see her without seeing her through mm-hmm. like the radio I, I felt like really moved by that that's yeah. really
1: good feedback i mean i was there and so i could see her mm-hmm. but to to for you to say that you could theoretically or you know it's funny also. Cause i
2: didn't see a rate like i didn't know what what her race was i right. sure didn't know what her age was i had no yeah. idea but just the way he opened that up it's like you could imagine it being anybody you see on the street or somebody you've encountered if you volunteered so
1: yeah he I will say that um, during the speech, there was two or three people that he highlighted like that where he told their story, Mm -hmm. um, which is a a common tactic, and they do that in the State of the Union and everything else too. Also, to me, it was a good reminder for everyone who's listening, this is why it's important for you to get to know your legislators in a personal way and for them to know you because your story might be the story Mm -hmm. that makes an impact like that, right? So you could be Melinda about whatever it is, that is important to you um, another good example this is aaron taylor for um, people who know her she is um she has a son on the disability waiting list and he's been on the waiting list for i think a decade or more 11 years or something and she is at the capitol all the time she's just a mom and has become like the chief advocate for that and i've heard her name um mentioned um many many times and uh, in, in, in terms of the disability waiting list, she's often there, but sometimes she's not. And she has done an excellent job as an advocate for her son about like, this is something that's super important to my family and has uh, become the good, the go-to person for that, for not just her legislators, but like all the legislators that are up there. And that's, a I think it's a, a good reminder for all of us that like, like even me, I mean, Julia Kurt is my new Senator. She lives down the street from me. I've known her for a couple of years And I went to see her the other day on Monday at her office and just say hello and happy first day of session. But also, can we schedule a time to actually talk about things that I care about? I know that we might agree on things, but I want you to know things we've never talked about, like HIV stuff. Like we've got a bill about that and and some of the the issues that Let's Fix This cares about, election reform and stuff. I want a chance to visit with her so that she can hear why those are important to me and my story uh, in hopes that that could help move the needle Somehow,
3: I, I will say in, in the the people that he had out in in the audience that he pointed to and, and made a point of talking about in his speech, I've only met Governor Stitt on several occasions, and one of them was when he came on our show and talked with, with uh, uh, Lacey Lowry and Robin Marsh, uh, but I was in studio for that. Um, he has sort of an, an unpracticed genuity mm-hmm. that you don't see in a lot of politicians because he isn't a practiced politician, mm-hmm. So when he talks about these people, it comes across genuine because I actually think it is. Mm-hmm. Unpracticed yep. genuity. That's good.
1: That's some professional writing right there. That's almost, what was the word you tweeted about last night?
0: Uh, subterfuge.
1: Subterfuge. You guys it's ever really used nice. subterfuge? Subterfuge. Have.
0: subterfuge is a great word. I tweeted back uh, at you something today that I really <laughs> liked. I saw that. What was that? Uh, subterfuge the centrifuge? Well, that, but then today I used another word. Uh, it'll come back yeah. to me um using that big education the last the last area and this is we'll we're we're short on time so i'll keep this really brief but i think it's worth mentioning so the last section that he talks that he talks about is the overall budget and how that budget with revenue growth and how that relates to our rainy day fund and what the state savings account really needs to look like and the the short version is you know we've talked we've heard from various kind of agencies and predictors that the, the official number right now is that there's 612 million dollars of excess revenue many many people think that's going to come down by 200 250 million or so but right now that's 612 million is the official projection um he says you know my budget addresses 230 million in obligations another 150 million in critical needs so that's new spending on things like healthcare and education um but he also wants us to raise the rainy day fund from its current cap of $874 million to $2 billion. And to kind of put a down payment on that, he wants to take $250 million of that 612 million and put it in our savings account. What that means is that the vast majority of state agencies are going to see flat budgets for this year without a funding increase. Um, and I don't know that that is something that A, a lot of people expected with $612 million in revenue growth, and B, I have not really seen much on social media, in the way of positive or negative feedback on that. I I don't know how realistic a goal that is. I mean, do we? What do you guys think?
1: I, uh, we'll see. I just I, think
0: it'd be interesting to see if the legislature actually
1: is like, sure, we'll do that, or like, nah, thanks, bro. No, but- I, I think right now everyone's waiting for the final budget projections from the. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Also, if I mean, just this week, this morning, I was listening to Marketplace on NPR, and they were talking about OPEC and the NoPEC law at the federal level, and there's a chance that something, nothing to do with Oklahoma, right? Like Congress could vote on this NoPEC thing, and OPEC could file back and like raise prices or cut production or something, and that would in some way help Oklahoma oil companies, and we might see this boon of Oil money come in that we don't expect because of something that happens thousands of miles away. I don't know. Or OPEC could increase increase production and they could
0: run prices down. Live with thirty dollar oil and the screwed. They they don't love thirty dollar oil, but they can tolerate it a lot better than we can.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Says the doctor who does not work in the oil industry.
1: I mean, when I was out working in the field, yeah.
3: So. All right. That, well, hold on. Wait, wait. I have things. Sorry, I was, I was waiting for my Twitter to load because there was a, an interesting set of graphs from... From <laughs> I have things. Is that what you said? Yeah. I, I love things. graphs. I have things. I love, I love graphs. graphs. I love lamp. I love. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was an interesting set of graphs from the Washington Post this week where they showed where states get their electricity from. Oh yeah. And Oklahoma's is this like Richter scale-esque <laughs> version of I, how we produce electricity. I know, you know the one you're talking about uh, now. It's great. Yeah it's just just, just this. Will it you, is, it will, is just
1: if you'll send whoa mercy that's not what right. I expected. If you'll send that to me I will add it to the blog post for will, this episode.
3: I will. Um, and so there's it's apparent that Governor Stitt recognizes that we have this crazy boom bust cycle especially with natural gas. It It has turned into a much more volatile way of producing energy and revenue than oil ever was. Uh, So you have that working. We also voted to not create a boom-bust cycle A stabilization fund. fund, yeah. Yes, it was called the Vision Fund this last election, which... We voted against, I think it's because people got confused between the vision fund, which is what Fallon had called it, and with the, the, the eye op- doc. The, the, the optometry uh, bill. <laughs> right, right, because they both have vision in them. That's probably true. But Stitt saying this, does he undermine the direct vote of the people? Yeah. Um, because it's, how do you how do you walk into, as, a, as someone in the legislature or as a governor, how do you walk in to say, well, they didn't really know what they were voting for, and what kind of precedent does that set? No, what ask, the, uh, ask the state house in Utah. They know the answer to that. Ask our state house about 780 and 781. Right. (laughs) Right. Well,
1: the other thing is that that law was a constitutional amendment, right? Right. And I think, I keep saying this, like, Oklahomans are starting to wise up that we don't need to amend our constitution every time we turn around, right? It's 600 GD pages long, like, let's... Maybe I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with having a constitutional convention to like longest re- governing document in the world, baby. Not anymore. No, that's true, but it was at the time. But I think we should like let's revisit this and maybe prune it down and make it something that is more of a living document that doesn't have to be changed because they like misspelled a word or like think science evolved, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I think, um, I don't, don't we? So we have the, we have the rainy day fund, which he wants to expand, and then do we have another fund and then the vision fund was the third one wasn't there
3: the vision fund was would would have been the second, second fund second one yeah technically then- we have a second fund but it is it is pulled from so often just by the way that the executive branch in this state right. works it is essentially not there oh gotcha
1: so right. i mean we i think we all know like we've got to do something that does provide more stability we it's easy to talk about diversifying the economy so that we have more resources but we haven't done that yet
0: well and i'm not I'm not advocating. I'm just stating facts. I already closed my, uh, I already closed my deal, so I don't have the exact numbers. But he talks about North Dakota and that they have like this huge. He said like they have like three billion in their savings, and and Texas I have, a,
1: has, I have that right here. Texas, is,
3: a cost of three point seven billion. Now he says Is North right?
1: North Dakota has more than 5.8 billion and Texas has 12.5 billion in
3: their
0: in their rainy day funds yeah. and he's like we should be aspiring to that to which I would say yes you are correct but do you know what else North Dakota and Texas have in common much,
3: much, much higher taxes on oil and gas production right. than Oklahoma. And this so, this proposal to create this kind of fund is unpopular with oil companies. state isn't linked directly or as closely as right. as previous governors have been to oil and gas in this state. So it'll be interesting to see how his, his relationship changes, or if there's a level mm-hmm. of animosity that develops between the governor's office and the prodigal sons of Oklahoma. That would be interesting. But can they I, be
0: prodigal if they haven't come back yet?
3: They've never left. Well, I don't know they, if that works. <laughs> I'm not up on my, I'm on my parables, but but I'm pretty sure you have to leave.
1: Are they the oldest son that pouted when the prodigal
0: came? Teach
3: out?
1: a man to fish, and there's no I in team.
3: <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens with this idea about this fund. If if he can make it work and get support from the people who would likely pay yeah. in the most, sure, yeah. this yeah. might be a thing. It makes sense when you just ask people on the street, sure. But again, we didn't vote for
0: it. So. Well, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, I, so I voted against the vision fund, not cause I don't think we need one, not because I don't think we should have more in savings, but because I don't think we should be when our agencies have been cut by 40% and we've been cutting classroom funding and per pupil funding in education for 25%. I don't think we, I don't think that's the time to start putting money in our savings account unless we are going to, right. It's like, if you make, if you make, you know, I don't know if you make $25,000 a year, like and you're trying to like get a hold of your finances, I don't know that that's, the way to do it, but and it, unless you're going to get a raise. Now, if you get a raise where you go from making 25 to making 50 or 75 or whatever, like whatever the number is, that's when it really makes a lot more sense. But if you are six months behind on your car payment, you can't start putting money in savings. That, right. This is like,
1: this is my problem is that we run this state the way that most Oklahomans run their personal finances and that we n- desperately need to save money and pay our bills but most of us can't afford to do that that's why most americans can, yeah can't survive an unexpected 500 hundred dollar expense right. right like right it's the same thing on the state level and that's not okay and we've got to find a way to make hard decisions and do that
0: there's some, there's i forget who it is which which national like think tank or npo it is but there's a definition that there's like there's like the poverty level but then like functional poverty is not being able to access two thousand dollars like not being able to uh, withstand a two thousand dollar emergency without accessing credit hmm. and that is it's
1: almost nobody.
0: Uh, like it's, like
1: eighty percent of Americans can't it's, can't it's, come up it's with higher like four bucks. No, in it's
0: cash. it's something like that. It's it is astonishingly high. And then when you drop it and say to even do you have even enough credit available oh, right. to withstand a five hundred dollar expense yeah. in Oklahoma only about half. Right. Yeah. Um, right. so can we as we wrap up, can we say we usually drink whiskey here on the show. We're mm-hmm. drinking rum today. Can we, we, can we say who it's from? Who it's from? It's uh, can, local. Uh, cr- can you tell us about us. this, Crystal?
2: Yeah. So um, Obahoshi is a new inland style rum from Prairie Wolf. The bottle is not, if you look at the label, it does not look like the Prairie Wolf label that you're used to. And actually the one you're probably used to changed in May. So there is a second label you should be on the lookout for now. It's, it's the be- Obahoshi. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's got a really artistic vibe to it. A local um, design house here in Oklahoma City, Cooper House designed it for us. Um, oh, I do the PR
1: for Obohoshi. Nice. Shout out to Aaron shout and Tim to, Cooper.
2: Exactly. Is that a
3: rabbit on the label? Is that what that is? Yeah, so
2: there's a wolf and a rabbit. The wolf, Obahoshi means wolf. It's a wolf dingo. And <laughs> 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 It's not. Wrong,
0: <laughs> wrong indigenous culture, <laughs> mate. So quietly, it's not. It's, not, it's <laughs> wrong it's indigenous right culture.
2: Um so um Obahoshi means wolf in the Seminole language. And oh. so um the prey wolf guys source all of their sorghum from the Seminole Nation and so they have a great partnership with them.
1: Sorghum is in the wheat family, right?
3: I, I thought mean, it was in a sugar, sugar cane cane family. There. I sugar. don't know. I'm
1: just throwing it out. You guys were slow to correct me. so yeah, sugar cane. I wanted cane.
2: to agree, and I don't think that's true. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so it's out and about now. It's been on the mo- shelf <laughs> it's been on the shelf since October. Just a bunch of
3: city slickers, the four of us. <laughs> it is. It is. It's the more premium podcast. product from Prey Wolf.
0: Next well,
1: week uh, discuss recipes.
3: I
0: mean it's 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 delicious. It's got a. it's not too dark, it's got a nice color to it, it's got a nice finish. Um sweet but not overpowering not overpowering poweringly so. Um really excellent. So if you have not checked out the oboji, check it out.
1: It's not your daddy's rum. Whatever your dad <laughs> did your dad drink rum no <laughs> <laughs> I've seen my dad drink twice in my entire life alright um, well that brings us to the end of the show my grandpa drank four roses really well, we had that a while back I just yeah. finished that
3: are all four of us going to be back next week is that I think
1: so yes. yeah sounds it. good right. Yeah. Scott beautiful thanks for being here thanks for letting Man, us be in your house the smell of top ten is in the air indeed Grant thank you thank you Crystal thank you sir thanks for being here don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts because, well, that helps other folks discover us and become better informed. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. At is, or excuse me, Scott is at S.C. Melson. I'm at Andy Grant.
3: I'm at GrantHermsKWTV.
2: At Crystal Dawit.
1: Dawit. Uh, and our website is Let'sFixThisOK.org. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, and find resources and details about upcoming events. Speaking of which, this Sunday, February 10th, is our first West Wing Watch Party, 3 p.m. at the Tower Theater. It's free. Come on down. Um, Next Tuesday, February 12th, is an election in many counties, including Oklahoma County, Oklahoma City. You've got four wards of city council up for election. Please go vote this Tuesday, February 12th. And uh, our first Capitol Day will be November, or excuse me, February 21st at State Capitol. Let's fix this as a nonpartisan, non-profit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with your government in meaningful ways. We make politics cool. Right, Scott? Scott says yes has a microphone. <laughs> yes, Excellent. We uh We encourage you to get involved any way you can. Come to the Capitol Day, And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.